Two Guys Talking Nostalgia Engine is here. And we need your help. Two Guys Talking has begun stockpiling reviews of great, classic movies, and we want to know what you want us to review. Access twoguystalking.com now and tell us which classic movies on DVD and Blu-ray we should put into the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review crosshairs and help us fuel the internet's best repository for engaging, nostalgic feature film reviews. Access twoguystalking.com and click any one of the Nostalgia Engine pictures. Tell us which movies you want right now. Action, horror, comedies, even the occasional rom-com. Access to guystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. The Nostalgia Engine. Ride in nostalgic style while you listen. Twoguystalking.com. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC, via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. It's been a very long, inhuman-ridden time since we've seen our intrepid Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in action. When we last left them, Coulson was seen in space. The other agents had only recently escaped from their Facebook er, uh, framework-generated lives by the skin of their collective teeth. A new trailer recently allowed us to peer into what's to come inside the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5. And in fact, it's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 5, Orientation, Parts 1 and 2. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, it's great to see you back. And in fact, I can't tell you how excited I am to see you that we're going to be talking about something remotely interesting this time. Yes, yes. This is not going to be a slog to get through. (laughs) For those of you that are curious what we're talking about, we're definitely not talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What we are referring to uh, from the edge of our elbows is... Marvels and humans. Which, if you missed it, you're lucky. Yeah. Well, what I would tell you is that if you missed it, you're lucky. But what you need to go back and not miss is our reviews of it. Because even if you didn't watch it, yep. you will learn a lot about how television can captivate an audience. But more importantly, how television can alienate and lose an audience real damn quick. Go check it out right now over at agentsofshield.tv for all the details about episodes one through eight of Marvel's Inhumans. It's there. I am not going to... Yes, I am. I'm going to deny that I ever recorded anything like that. <laughs> Go check it out, agentsofshield.tv. Uh, Nick, some quick housekeeping. Two guys talking Star Wars. We are in the throes. Uh, this week we will be capturing our perspective review of Return of the Jedi. Ah, oh, yes. But the first three, yes, I said three. Rogue One, 
Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back are in the can, now being percolating, chewing up the digital editing area in the halls of EditorCore.com. And I can't wait mm. because running through it with my co-hosts, Colonel Chris DiGiuseppe and Lieutenant Pat Doring from a local law enforcement agency has given me an all new appreciation and perspective, haha, perspective review mm. of all of those Star Wars films. Because, you know, I, I will claim myself as a geek, as will you. Yep. But what I don't have is I don't have 25 years of law enforcement in my repartee. And so to look at those movies from not only published authors, but also from law enforcement veterans, it really is something to marvel at because it holds a completely different value system, even though it's, you know, the good and the fantastic tales of Star Wars. There is something way more fundamental to Chris and to Pat than there is to me. And I think that's what's really cooking up something special over at the perspective reviews of the Star Wars films. I want you all to stop what you're doing right now and go over to twoguystalkingstarwars.com. That's going to take you to the front end of the Facebook presence for Two Guys Talking Star Wars. But more importantly, it's going to take you to the first two episodes, the perspective review of Rogue One and the perspective review of Star Wars from 1977, all of which will give you some excellent, excellent ramp to what's coming for the others, but more importantly, for The Last Jedi that comes in December of 2018. <laughs> That's two guys talking StarWars.com. Check it out. Free field training. Those of you that are following the WhatCopsWatch.com effort will know free field training's title by now, but you may not be familiar with what cop serving somewhere in the confines of South Chicago, Tommy Model is cooking up inside of FreeFieldTraining.com. Remember, it's not just for cops. It's not just for guys inside of the security industry. It's for everybody that wants a giant dose of incredibly crafted common sense about a variety of things, from gear to the way law enforcement works to a whole bunch of common sense things that you probably have not actually put on your own personal plate. Go check it out at freefieldtraining.com. We'll have links to all of this and more over at agentsofshield.tv. Nick, we've gone through the orientation for our visitors here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, but it's time to get to the review of Orientation, parts one and two, the launch of season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. I've got my icer locked and loaded, Mike. Utini, my friend. Utini. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Taking skin for a spin. This is extraordinary. Anytime they do this kind of day in the life thing where they accidentally peer inside of somebody that's not just a human being. I mean, like in anything. I'm not talking right. about anything that's only Marvel. I'm talking about anything. When they do things like this, I really appreciate it. Well, it's a mystery character, and then there's even more mystery on when he takes his skin <laughs> off, off <laughs> to take a shower. Tower. I, yeah. I, I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, what? what, what? what are we, yeah, yeah. I, I love it when the when really any show or property, but I love it especially when this show allows me to experience that mm -hmm. because it it you know the the formula of what they're cooking along here is it's not magic, but it is something extraordinary in that. You and I can go pick up, you know, pans and some eggs and some cream and the fixings for a Denver omelet. Mm -hmm. But can we make a Denver omelet where someone goes, dude, that was an omelet. 
or are they going to eat what we gave them because they're hungry? <laughs> oh, and, thanks. And, well, yeah, I'm full. Bye. Yeah, and what this show does regularly on every single level, from something as minuscule and kind of throwaway as this, where they're establishing, hey, look, there's an alien being living inside this human body. I, I love that. This I, was very I men in black. Very much you know, so. A very men in black. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's thing. exactly what that is. And and I think that's what I was looking for originally from Agents of Shield. Mm. And they gave you a little bit of peppering that inside of season one, right. but not much. And they definitely swayed away from it as they got to season two, which actually was a good thing. It was a good thing, yes, definitely. I agree. But I was totally looking for that. I, what I was also looking for, and I've always looked for it, inside of just about anything where it's someone that is the men in black concept. Look, it's guys in, in suits that know way more than us, and we are never going to know as much as they do. Mm -hmm. Except, of course, the people that are watching the movie who are now going to get all the details because they're watching the movie. And I, I always look for that. I always want that kind of flavor. Every single episode and season of The X-Files, if that's all you did, where Mulder and Scully, that's all that you get, is that they are always going to know more than we know, mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. I don't mind at all. What I don't like is when a franchise will not take up that mantle at all. And so they've scored. They've absolutely scored with this concept here, knowing that as we get towards the guts of the episode here, it's going to space. Oh, yeah. So I love that. I love the, I love the take... I love the very simple day in the life of what this also struck me very much so of was a variety of episodes of Breaking Bad, where you just see things kind of going on that are accidental storytelling telling. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Not only just because it's something Breaking Bad, but because it, it, it feels incredibly natural to watch it right. and know that you're going to incorporate that somehow into the episode and then flashcard. I love that. Talking Tech, the skin of the truck. We're only a few minutes in the episode, yeah. Mike. We're already doing I, Talking Tech. I, dude, I know. I know. Can we, you believe it? It's something that our episodes are known for, but believe it or not, it's actually one of the first inside this episode that we're going to be focusing on. And what we're focusing on here is something I can't believe is not already happening, frankly. I know. The way that technology works and the way that life mirrors media I don't. I don't think we're too far from this. We. I, I'm again, like you said, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. Uh, I, I know that we've seen now digital billboards that mm -hmm. are on highways, and to take something that is akin to that, that is that same level of technology, and shove it on a truck on both sides. I. I don't think that that's anything quote alien at all, really. Right. Right. Or who knows? Maybe it's already here, and we just don't know it yet. That's got to be it. Wait a minute. What? Well, what is that flashy thing? Well, wait a minute. What? Well, what happened, Nick? Uh, it's, it's all right, Mike. It was just uh, it was a gas pocket from Venus. Gave off uh, some 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 sparks of to the uh, Hubble telescope and a uh, little feedback on your monitor oh. there. That's all. Just a, all right. just a uh. harmless little flash. Uh, no worries. Anyway, we're curious to know what you thought about... Wait a minute. Did we talk about anything? Let us know what you think over at agentsofshield.tv. A perfect blend into the last season and into this season. It's something magical that Marvel has been able to pull off now for at least the last three seasons of this program. And the, the dancing between this and other Marvel properties is also something I don't remember if I remarked inside the notes or not for this episode, but mm. I want to make sure we also get there too. Right, right. Because there is some remarkable back and forth that is movie-based, that is tucked into here, that's just enough so that you get the waft that you and I are looking for. Yeah. I appreciate scenes like this, especially, 
And, you, and, and usually, most of the times, what will happen, it will happen in a, 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 the season of a show to where one episode will end, and you'll see the ending from one perspective. And then the next episode, a week later or so, the next episode starts, and then mm-hmm. you're seeing the other side yes. of the same events. Yes. This, we had to wait months mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. Months and, and months for this. And it was well done. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, what they also do uh, for for anybody watching on ABC with commercials or during the Hulu streaming is they give you that great previously on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. at the very beginning to where you're reminded, hey, guess what? This is what happened to our characters yeah. when we said goodbye to them a few months ago. And now here we are. We're seeing the reverse of that. We're seeing yeah. outside yeah. of the diner. Yeah. What I also love, and it's something that we always talk about inside, it's not just this program, but anything we do that's two guys talking based, it's perspective. Mm. I'm telling you, I will lay my podcast career hat on the word perspective, because the faster you tell more different perspectives of the same thing to give people reference, it's almost like a wraparound shot mm-hmm. of needing to understand what's going on inside of a given situation. Okay, and so we put on Nick's eyes and we take a peer around and all that is captured inside of digital wonderness. Then we we pop out Nick's eyes and then we we pop in Mike's eyes. He stands in a different position and Mike looks around and grabs the scope of what's going on and then you pop out Mike's eyes. And now those two perspectives can be joined together, mm. providing you a way more rounded picture than just one. I love that. I love that. Anytime that they'll do that inside of storytelling, regardless of the property. Right. Another morphing obelisk. And I don't say that with any hesitation or ire at all. Uh, This one is incredibly interesting looking. It it is another talisman to something that is change and different. And it spills on to not only the people inside of this episode, but onto us. I loved it. I thought it was great. This is why those eight episodes of Inhumans make me so angry, Mike. I have no idea what you're talking about. You may not, but unfortunately, I didn't didn't take the neuralizer to forget about those episodes. (laughs) This is what makes me so upset because they have the opportunity to continue the the story of what the Cree did centuries ago mm-hmm. to the human race yep. and what they've been doing to the human race for centuries. And they had an opportunity to expand on it even more. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has barely scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know from previous seasons that the original obelisk that we saw, the, the pure obsidian one, was... A transportation device to send you to the planet Conveyance, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Here we are, start of season five, there's another obelisk. So mm-hmm. immediately, before I even ask what does this one do, I ask how many of these things are there? Love it. Are these the Infinity Stones of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Are these the Infinity Stones of the television side of, uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Are, are we going to be introduced to more obelisks? Is there an obelisk where our heroes find themselves later to, to where are, they can are, travel yeah. back? Are these like pieces of an ancient Stonehenge-style thing? Yeah, is this Cree technology or yeah. is this something yeah. even more? Is this yeah. something that the Cree took from another civilization yeah. that they conquered? Yeah. I, I love All when, great questions. Yeah, and I love it when they postulate questions almost as much as when they give us valued perspective from mm. a variety of eyes. It's extraordinary storytelling, and it absolutely ignites the curiosity button. I love it. Mac the Quitter? This is kind of odd. Might be the only thing that I, I won't put on a hate button for, but I would say this is extremely different 
than anything we've seen Mac do in particular after what was an incredibly harrowing series of events and experiences inside the framework. So I, I wasn't on board with what's going on here, but I have to assume that this means there's going to be some dynamic role-playing inside of the character of Mac. I don't, I don't look at it as something that he was completely and totally serious about. You got to think about it. They just got finished with the framework. Mm -hmm. Mac just pulled himself out, is still dealing with the, the non-existence of his daughter, the, the loss of hope. Yeah. It's been hours yeah. for Mac. Yeah. So to go have some pie and then immediately find himself, while he's still grieving, transported to what he believes is outer space, because, of course, as he says, oh, yeah, because we haven't done that yet, I, I can understand why the character would be very nihilistic, very, okay, I'm done with this. I really, you know, once we, once we get home, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I can understand that as kind of a, a, maybe something he said out of frustration. Uh, personally speaking, I say that on a nightly basis at, at my security job. Yeah. Because, well, you know, no, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm going home. I quit. Do I? No, I don't. I don't I don't walk out because, you know, I, yeah. I, I there's a part yeah. of the job that, you know, does appeal to me. And, of course, you know, I do like making money. Yeah. But... I kind of look at it as more of a frust a comment out of frustration. I will give you I will give you all of that. However, what I would toss back in volley, mm -hmm. you've seen Thor Ragnarok, correct? I have. Okay, I would believe it or not put Mac into the role of Thor in that I thought sixty five seventy percent of what Thor says inside Ragnarok, I didn't think was terribly appropriate. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really. Oh. And that's where we call the audience, as we always do when we have an impasse of silence here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Let us know what you think. Mac, thumbs up or thumbs down? That's the only one question you got this this juncture inside the episode. So answer it right now by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com slash shield podcast. Comment on any one of the threads there or start your own and let us know what you think. <laughs> Fury being mentioned, as does Spear, and people hiding on the moon. So was this an accidental insert in case somebody actually latched on to Marvel's Inhumans? I, I think in a way. I think maybe it, it, it kind <laughs> of probably was. Wow. But wow. it was also... Well, it's stuff like this that makes the, the comic book geek in me just kind of giddy with... With anticipation, yeah, because and what not only been? not only are we bringing back up Nick Fury, who we haven't talked about in, mm -hmm. in quite a while mm -hmm. since he died we, twice, we we bring back Nick Fury, we bring back the mention of Nick Fury, mm -hmm. we, we talk about his black box yep. filled with all the secrets Kick of the universe, mm -hmm. and Yo Yo even makes a reference to. So you're telling me that Shield doesn't have an outer space division <laughs> called Spear? A total poke at the fact that in the comic books there is, is an one. organization yeah. called Sword. Yeah. Now here's the great thing. I'm hoping that once our heroes go back to where they're supposed to be and moving forward, I want there to be a shield and I want there to be a sword. And I think something like this, dealing with the Kree in this se season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then moving forward with knowing that we're going up against Thanos... And all of his alien baddies in mm -hmm. Avengers Infinity War, mm -hmm. 
space. We need to keep, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course, we need to keep our eyes on space. Yeah, I agree with that. Now is the time for S.W.O.R.D. I agree with that. And what I also thought, it's funny how my, my, my thoughts are flying fast and furious inside of this, very much focusing on Yo-Yo, not because of mm-hmm. how gorgeous she is, but because I can just see a future episode where someone's going to say, we're going to devise a new protective agency called, and she's going to lean in and go, Spear? No. Sword. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> boy, that's and she's going to go something like, boy, that's a strange name. Mm. I don't think that's it. And I would love to see that. That would be awesome. Again, the final piece of this, though, I go back to that whole people thing about on the moon, people yeah. hiding on the moon. And, you know, here's kind of the way I look at it. Let's hope, let's hope, crossing fingers, knock on, knock on wood someplace. Let's hope that they are referring to someone else that are people living on the moon that aren't those in humans that are just somebody else of maybe that's where sword is conveying their their effort to push forward mm. the cool part about what they're doing here is that very much like what they've done with the complete revamp of spider-man right they can kind of do what they want as long as it fills in the the valley of where sword or spear or whatever the hell we're going to call it mm-hmm. fell and does what it needs to it doesn't really matter where they yeah. start yeah for those that are curious, the moon is where you should be starting colonization of blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. There's enough resources there. You can pile on enough resources, and then you don't have the value, or you don't have the the literal expenditure of space. Travel is getting out of Earth's gravity, mm. and that's how you would avoid 99% of that, is that you would start on a place that has incredibly lighter gravity. And because of Thor Ragnarok, we already know that Quinjets have the ability to uh, leave a planet's atmosphere. Yeah. At least for, for a short period of time. Yeah. So yeah. just but, expand on that technology, Mr. Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And again, these are all those, these are the breadcrumbs and little seedlings that you and I are looking for. Maybe not inside of every single episode, but definitely throughout the trail of everything that happens inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. But then more importantly, something you referred to, I think, infinitum backwards from the cinematic universe referring to Coulson or mm. Coulson's team or I heard about this gal she can move incredibly fast you know just stupid little what most would call throwaway comments which I guess is why they're not there but tossing back to the team to make that connective tissue because of course Nick it's all connected now let's track May's wound something that I've kind of just kind of forgotten about because I don't there's so much good that happens inside of the episodes especially of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I've kind of just meh (laughs) kind of (laughs) quality blocked it out is the tracking of people's wounds and abilities after they've been wounded or incredibly hurt or Mm -hmm. uh, in many cases hurt beyond like you should not be able to move and before we get the hate mail of everybody saying chill out Mike Guys, I get it. I get it. You know, we're we're in a technology-ridden area where we could not possibly know exactly what's going on medically. Yeah, but you know, there's uh, she just got to pull a rod, steel rod, through the middle of her leg. And for those of you that haven't ever had a really severe wound like this, um, it's this is not just falling down the stairs and oh my knee, man, what is that lump? That's not what we're talking no, about this here. Is, this, this thing went through skin, meat, muscle. This is, It's serious. Right. I mean, it may not have gone through a major artery, but it's still a serious injury. Right. And what a lot of people forget about is that when you start to aggravate a wound like that, all tissue of any kind tears. And the faster you tear up muscle and sinew and tendons and all that stuff, 
eventually you get to something that's incredibly vital that's now exposed, like an artery mm -hmm. or a vein or something that you absolutely cannot have ruptured. There's a, there's a video, in fact, there's a series of videos, but there's one that I'm thinking of specifically. And there's a, a dude on YouTube that takes essentially security video from a variety of different avenues across the world mm -hmm. and reviews them. Like he'll go through them and say, okay, here you can see, he'll run through what actually happens, whether it's, uh, let's say it's in a convenience store and there happens to be an off-duty cop in Guatemala or something. Mm -hmm. And then they'll show what happens. And then it'll go back through and it'll go, okay, here's how we're going to break it down. And he runs through and says what was done appropriately and what wasn't done appropriately as per a series of factors that he, I forgot what they're called. It's a very, very good series and I'll link to it inside of the show notes for this episode. But inside of one of those episodes, what they showed was a dude that just goes holy batshit crazy inside of, I think it was a bus terminal. It was a terminal of some kind with just people everywhere. And this guy, this guy goes crazy with this big ass knife, like, you know, yo, Adrian, the Rambo style knife, right. just a huge giant sharp knife. And you think to yourself, oh, well, a sharp knife, meh, okay. Well, it's a big, sharp-ass knife, guys. Mm -hmm. And what happens is there's a good Samaritan that jumps into the fray and starts kicking this guy. Well, he kicks this guy, but this guy gets a really good slashing on him. Some other people incapacitate the dude with a knife, but the, the other guy is standing there in the middle of the camera. And what you start seeing is a river of blood coming out of this guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mostly in black and white. So those of you that are squeamish or whatever, don't worry about it. You're going to see something solely unnatural, though. What most people don't see appearing underneath them as they're standing in one place is a pool of your own blood. Pool of your own blood, yeah. And it's horrifying because he, he's standing there and you can see that he's, he's losing his wits about him. And he finally just kind of stumbles backward, falls on his butt. And he stands there and you can see his head just moving from side to side like he does not know what's going on. Right, he's in and shock. Then he, and then he just slumps over and he's dead. Mm. So for those of you that, you know, things like this are not nothing. Mm. And I realize that we can't take every single injury that we have inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. verse and make it where we now have to detail and interact because of medical staff and blah, blah. I, guys, I get it. I, I don't want to do that either. But I just, what I want you to do is I want you to watch May throughout the rest of the episode and see what happens after her leg's been impaled by this gargantuan piece of steel. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to more of that as we get through the episode, but it's something I did want to make sure I put a note in to track. Tasty, crunchy face. I love this. The only way it could get better is if in, I don't know, mid-sentence, oh, wait, that happened too. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Well, there's a couple of other points that I'm going to bring up during this episode that we referred to inside the program that finally help to sway the 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 windows of oh yeah the alien race that will eat your face yeah yes it's, it's something that is way too rare in just about every single television series and movie that deals with aliens especially when we're talking about something like an arachnid based alien mm. where look dude if you haven't talked to him and you haven't figured out the universal translator my guess is he wants to chew on your molars right and that's it he, he just wants to suck on them like gobstoppers he has no other plan other than to eat you dead mm -hmm. and I, I i that doesn't mean i want everything to become a horror film inspired look it's the monsters that want to eat us mm -hmm. but what i do want is peril and we've got absolute, it absolute and it's and it's all over the place got it in this space episodes. here yes, yes. It, they're great they're great and it's incredibly well shown Another great thing about it is, is that especially with this scene, this uh, the, the this character that we're introduced 
to uh, towards the beginning of the episode when uh, Coulson arrives on the on the what he believes is a space station. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this Virgil who who evidently knows who Coulson is knows who everybody is and there's there's this mystery that it seems it's like lore. this is the guy who's going to tell us everything that we need to know about this mystery. Yeah, yeah. This is this is our exposition guy. He's the Rosetta Stone. Right. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now then, he's not there. And then how brilliant is it to just, <laughs> all right, well, he's crunchy crunch, eat him up time. <laughs> it was awesome. So in one hand, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, well, that's convenient. Kill the exposition character. And then I go, well, hell yeah, that's convenient. Because now you keep us in the dark. You keep the, the characters in the dark yeah. and us, the audience, in the dark a little while longer. Yeah. We don't want to know all the secrets to this season within the first 30 minutes right. of getting here. Correct. Because then what's the point of right. going forward? And I love that they, they give that character enough where it looks like he could just spill every single bean that there is to spill. Yep. And that he wants be, to. Yeah. He really wants to tell you all about crunch. Right. That's exactly right. And it's incredibly well done. It's incredibly well placed inside the episode but more importantly the level of peril is off the charts Mm -hmm. love it a quick look at the roaches wow pretty impressive you know what what can you say it's solid uh cgi right there i mean i it's it's lockjaw level cgi They, they definitely spent the money on making this alien creature look vicious and realistic yeah those things are vicious. I remember just as the episode was about to air, there was some stuff on uh, online comparing them and even possibly naming them as the Brood from the X-Men mm. comic books. Damn, that is incredibly interesting. Is, that, is that anything it, you've been able to verify? It, it is not. It, it, they're definitely not the Brood. They're, they are actually, and I'll have to uh, find the article, but they are an alien species in Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. that I mean, we're talking really obscure stuff here. Oh yeah, and uh, I'll uh, I'll do some research and I'll try to find that article. But sadly, they're not any way connected towards the brute. But it would be cool as X Men fans ourselves, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be cool to finally oh, see an yeah. X Men movie where the, we got the X Men? They're in space, yeah, and for, for, they're going for. up against the brute, and we've got some of the the Shi'ar stuff going on. That would that's the, hey Hollywood, hey, why don't you make that movie? Right. One, see, the, that's one of the things that, that little wisps of gossip when they start talking about Fox and Marvel or Fox and Disney molding into each other. Yeah. It, that, you know, those are the little dreams of avarice that you go, okay, well, I can't believe the entire palette is now open. Because imagine, you know. Just well, imagine. Uh, the, the, the tiny little swath that we got from Spider-Man invading the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. There it is, folks. I mean, it, it, it was something solely different. With something except for maybe the names, everything is absolutely different. Mm. It, it it's all completely different. The technology was not mostly crafted by Peter. The uh, Aunt May is not quite Aunt Adobe May. She's Aunt Milf May. May. Well. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's there's so many things that are different, but that it stayed inside the same universe. I'm I'm absolutely comfortable with all those things. I'm trying to think of the tenant that they could break on things like that, where I would go, "You got to be kidding me! What what are we talking about here?" And I don't, I don't know that I will see that in my modern lifetime, mm. because they'll they'll be able to keep edges and connective tissue, so that it's going to be the characters that we remember. But man, imagine if the entire color palette of Marvel was suddenly open. Yeah. That's that thing that uh, it's now over a year ago. But Hugh Jackman was saying, you know, guys, I- I'm done. I'm absolutely done. I'm not going to do any more Wolverine movies. 
Unless, of course, Wolverine comes into the cinematic universe. Mm. Okay, I, I'm not I'm not telling Hollywood what to do. <laughs> but the day that the palette opens, I know where the first contract better be signed. And it better have a damn good director in the director's chair. Because there's the movie. There's the movie. There yeah. are, right off the top of my head, there are five or six storylines that must now be told over the course of those next ten years. Yeah. Because just amazing storytelling that we're all completely missing out on because the palette is not in one place. This is true. This is true. But I kind of think as of right now, I think it's just a little bit too late. Bah humbug. No, no. Th- just just think about it. Look at Spider-Man. Spider-Man showed up to the party very late and they had to make a very drastic change. Sure. I enjoyed Spider-Man Homecoming. Don't get me wrong. But... That's not my Peter Parker. That's not my Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I'm I have I have watched the character evolve in the comic books for decades. Mm-hmm. I want my adult Peter Parker. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm kind of tired of teenage or late teenhood. Sure, I can see that. Uh, Spider-Man. And, uh, I'm I'm kind of done I join with you. it. Yeah, and I think I join you. I think uh, Tom I join Holland you. does a great job, <laughs> but and and those movie the movie is fun, and I'm glad that there is a Spider-Man in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just not my Spider-Man. Yeah. And I kind of think that if they try to shoehorn the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe now, so now you're going to have to explain mutants. Now you're going to have to explain the difference between mutants and inhumans. No, no you don't. Nah, yeah, no, you, no, you, you don't. kind of do. Yeah, no, here, and here's the... Because they're completely different. Right, but the precipitous for that is this. If you can... You, Nick Nicholas me. J. Hearn, had to explain to me, Mike Wilkerson, the difference between inhumans on Earth... And the Inhumans that, you know, are living in the base on the moon. Right. And it was never explained anywhere else. True. I explained it in one sentence. Okay. So what do we got to explain about the difference between Inhumans? Okay, well, where have these mutants inhumans been hiding? Asterisk. Where have these mutants, mutants been hiding? Doesn't make any Where difference. have you been hiding the mutants, Wilkerson? They could be on the moon. They could all be on well, the they moon. they can't be on the moon. They could be on the, the, the Inhumans the, are on the moon. They're on the other side of one of the Hawaiian islands. <laughs> that way they can film and it'll be cheap, I swear. They've all been hanging out on Asteroid M with Magneto. Is that it? (laughs) Laughing at themselves. It's probably the coolest we've looked. This is what I love about this team, is that these tiny little throwaway things that would be so ridiculously inserted if you looked at it in a script for any other program, they absolutely work here, and they're not saccharine. It's not saccharine, and it's not forced. Right. It's not forced laughs. It's it's the it, we and we've talked about this a lot. Yes. This show, yeah. the writers have a great way of writing the dialogue for each of these characters to where that dialogue is so organic. Yes, that's exactly. It feels it feels exactly. like this is exactly what these characters would talk about. Mm-hmm. Coulson making this line, Mac going on about you know okay I think we should all split up to cover more ground. Haven't you seen an alien movie? Yeah. They start getting picked off one after another once they go and split up. We all stay together. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things to where the dialogue, especially for this episode, because you're thrown into this weird situation, the dialogue is so organic that the exposition doesn't feel like exposition. Yeah. Why can't yeah. we get through this door? Use your laser hand, Colson. Well, no, it's just a regular prosthetic hand. I didn't want to bring the my super bionic hand that had the shield and the laser pointer Shark fins and, whatever and the, else you know, it. the yeah. corkscrew opener and things like that. <laughs> I didn't want to bring that because I thought I was about to be arrested. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense that he would do that. Yeah. 
I think I'm just so elated to be surrounded by great writing again. Yeah. Finally, some alien dominance. I am terribly familiar with how someone the size of Mac can affect potentially deadly striking inside of the fight game. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote for fight magazines for 10 years. I love watching UFC fights. Uh, I know the detailed mechanics of how fighting and hitting works. And so it's great to know that these aliens take on giant crippling strikes and they are, it's like nobody touched them. Mm-hmm. This is also what is missing inside of almost every single representation of someone that is not powered versus someone that is powered. Sample would be Agent May. Mm-hmm. I love May. I love the the string that they've given her character. I love it where she's danced around a variety of obstacles with that string during her storytelling. She is an excellently well-written female character inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up. But Agent May laying out whoop-ass on an alien that is three times already as big as she is with alien density of skin? No. There, there cannot be that. And when there is, there needs to be reason for it. Like, I don't know, she's a robot. Okay, right, yeah. Right. Then we can see something like that. Inside this episode, for one of the very first times I can remember, there is alien dominance that is established. You get those, the I think there's two or three Cree dudes. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of whoop-ass are being opened up on them, and nothing. It's absolutely, it just ding, barrel, barrel. Nothing happens. And that's what I want. I want them to then go, oh, hang on, let me check out your arm. <laughs> Tears his arm off like Sabretooth would tear off some dude's arm and just right. take a couple of sniffs of it and throw it away because it's not good enough. Something like that. And, uh, again, I, one of the things that this, this program being put on at 9 o'clock on a Friday now, that's wide open. Yes. So yes. please take advantage of things like that where there can be some more visceral violence. Again, I don't want anything to steep into what amounts to a horror film. Mm-hmm. But what I do want is I want to see dominance. I want the... And, you know, then there's kind of a, a sneer or just the their, their eyes get the frowny, I'm not happy face. And they lean over and they yank a dude's arm off or they they pick up this incredibly heavy thing and you know, lay waste to an entire team of people or something like that. Right. Well, I know we're, we're definitely going to get into it once we start talking about the second part of orientation, but you said it yourself. Now that it is on at nine o'clock on a Friday, you're, you're open to be a little bit more graphic, but just because you can, doesn't mean you need to be constantly graphic. Yes, I agree with that. And, agree and, with that. Ju- and specifically with these two episodes, they have walked the tightrope of still being <laughs> a great show Without having to over-amp the violence to satiate some of us who just enjoy watching violent shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- this, uh, and like I said, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it in part two because there's some really serious stuff that happens yeah. in the second episode. I agree. And I don't think we could have done that two years ago no. when we were on at 7 o'clock on a, on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Now that we're on nine o'clock on a Friday night, we can get away with Door what's opens happening. Up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to pull the numbers or where the hell we need to go and look. But what I'd also like to do is I'd like to see somehow a comparison set of this is how many people watch 
Mm-hmm. And this is how many people go to Hulu and watch it like you and I are. Right. And I really later. would like to see that. I'm, I'm. There's got to be a way to find there, out. There has to be. Whether or not the numbers would be appropriate and accurate, I don't know. Yeah. But the, the bottom line, though, is I would love to see those numbers. And the faster you see it start to skew towards the downloading and it's not just seen on television anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a matter of course. You You and I both know that downloading content that isn't free slash with your television subscription mm-hmm. is coming and it's it's hurtling at American audiences incredibly fast. We know it's coming. So it's time travel. Another excellent chiming in device. I know a lot of people are going to go, oh, so Star Trek Four, Awesome. Man, that's so cool, Brewster. Now, hold on. Before you poo-poo the time travel, listen. Listen to what's happening at the end of this episode. And what I want to show you is this wonderful... You know when you get on a roller coaster mm-hmm. and you get to where you now start going up and you hear the... Right. Okay, well, you get about 75% up at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I have I have views on time travel. And sometimes time travel... Time travel is a great story... But a lot of times in storytelling, time travel can be used to erase things to where the story didn't mean anything to begin with. Like, look, the entire cast dies, and now they're not dead because time travel. Is right. that what you mean? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Something, right. something along those lines. Now, we have seen time travel to an extent here in the Marvel Cinematic Universe during the Doctor Strange film. Let us not forget... The time stone is snug in in the uh, eye of Agamotto around Doctor Strange's uh, neck, and it was because of time travel and a time loop that Doctor Strange was able to defeat Dormammu and uh, restore order back to uh, back to you know reality. So, time travel has been done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but not to this extent. We have we we find out that our characters have been flung possibly maybe about 80 90 years into the future my prediction and it's be and it's only and it's only because I know the cheats and lies of, of filmmaking and <laughs> and television if you look at the sets if you look at the where they're at I wouldn't be surprised moving forward in a couple of episodes when we find out the origin of what this base was before the Earth cracked. How much you want to bet that the basis of the the base is the shield base from our from our time. She, the shield base that they were all at. You know, our our location, our HQ mm-hmm. from season two through now. Yeah. I.e., you damn dirty apes. Right. I want to. I want to think that 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 because <laughs> because here we go. We got time travel. We already know Fitz was not taken. Fitz is the only person who has left mm-hmm. in the past. So one would assume that Fitz knows that something has happened to are we our gonna team. Get, are we going to get Fitz Wayland? What? We are, yes. aren't we? Yes, that's we right. We're going to get Fitz Wayland. Fitz Fitz Wayland Utani. Good to see you, Carson. Would you pass my dentures, please? Uh, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if we <laughs> we find a, uh, a a hidden code within, spoiler alert for episode two, the framework that Fitz leaves for our heroes to find sometime, uh, you know, uh, in, in the far future. Here, here's my thing. I love I love the time travel aspect. 
And if this is about 80 or 90 years into the future, there is a series of comic books done in the 90s from Marvel called the tw- the 2099 line. It was basically, we're going to take all of your favorite characters and we're yeah, going to reintroduce Spider-Man them is... in the year 2099. Yeah, so it's I... Spider-Man 2099. Punisher 2099. And I've got the I've got the first five or six Spider-Mans. That's all I went into. Thankfully. Wouldn't it be a, says Mike's budget. I own all of them. <laughs> what because, an achievement. Because I am a time travel whore. I love the few <laughs> I love future tech stuff. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be kind of cool if you found out what the actual real date was and in, you know, show continuity time, it was actually the year twenty. 99 interesting I, I i mean i i doubt that'll happen but for me just to just to ponder that gives me it gives me a smile about this the fact that we are not just in space because we're in space but we find out that it's just the space around the dead earth that has been cracked open like a like an egg and discarded in space and we are actually in the future and I know I pride myself on seeing things coming, and I've said it before during the the reviews of this show, but I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. I did not see time travel coming, and I'm actually kind of happy that it did. Yeah, I, and I love it. I, again, it's not just this property. I love any property that can take me outside of not only my comfort zone, but out of, outside of any expectations I might have. Right. And I'm not, you're way better a prognosticator than I am and or will ever be. And that you got got that is an achievement. I love that. I loved seeing it inside this series. More importantly, uh, your note about how all the 2099 stuff would tie in and through. I love that mostly because you know what that means? Mm. That means a whole nother generation and a half of geeks to bitch about it in the year 2099. <laughs> Wait a minute, man. Where's my cracked in half earth? Wait a second. When is Daisy coming back to fix things? Wait a second. Where's Coulson coming back to save the day, man? It's 2099. What's up? Maybe we sound just like that, too. True. Guaranteed. And you know, the thing is, though, is that with time travel, the fact that they have traveled in forward in time and seen the future <laughs> when they travel back in time, because one would think they have to, unless this is where the show is going to Stop go. It. And I, no, no. I mean, I don't. I don't want to put that in the universe. No, <laughs> they were going to come back, and of course, they're going to want to save the Earth. So now that becomes a divergent timeline. Now we're getting into the multiverse here, Wilkerson. Are you ready to? Are you ready to no. dive into the multiverse? <laughs> I'm not ready to crack that egg open. I'm all sorry. right. No, I'll hold on to all my multiverse <laughs> charts and graphs and pie charts and things like that. I'll just keep them in back here in my bag. <laughs> While you're tying together all those resources, we're going to give you a very short musical interlude while we plan the course for part two of Orientation, the second part of season five's launch. Nick, that's a nice tune that you found there. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, the launch of Season 5, Episodes 1 and 2, this part's 2 of Orientation. Yeah. Talking Tech. The Ship. 
Here we go again. Some more talking Holy tech. Cow. Less than an hour and a half and two talking techs? What? Have we time traveled? I, I, I think, think we, we time traveled to 2099. Wait a minute. Where's my comic book reference we can use? Just like just like Marty did with Doc in the future. What the shock are you talking about, Mike? Because <gasps> that, that was the curse word in the future that all the characters What was it? Shock. Shock? What the shock are you talking about, Mike? Was it really? Yeah. All I know is, well, wait a minute. You got to use your voice to talk into these microphones? <laughs> That's a baby's podcast. <laughs> Which reminds me, you need to make sure you go and check out our Back to the Future Perspective review, which you can find over at twoguystalking.com forward slash back to the future. So it's time to talk tech about the ship. This I wanna, ship is amazing. It's immaculate. Holy crap. I thought that the first of uh, the bus was a home run. Dude, mm. this is this is this is this is Grand Slam of the vehicles. It, it's so incredibly well done. The detail on it is immaculate. That they're kind of flying it by the seat of their pants, and it just kind of works. I love it. I love it. I love it when things can just work like this, and it doesn't detract from the story. Except, of course, when asteroids hit it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and I, again, I love that. Sure, hope this thing can get hit a couple of times. Uh, uh, not so sure. What about are you that. Do? Why are you turning it off? Well, you know, number one rule in tech: <laughs> you turn it off and you turn it back on. I love both of these jokes. I love the attitude that's put in here. Not only just the attitude of the ship, aha, uh-huh, but the attitude of the pilot and the co-pilot inside of this scene is excellent. And then just using that ship scene, it's very much like I was talking about. In, in, before we uh, left the last piece of the episode review, where you're the ching 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 climbing mm. up the the ladder, and then you are set on your merry way as yeah. you launch into this episode, it's incredibly well crafted and such a palate cleanser for the last epi- eight episodes of anything I don't remember. That's right. You know what? Actually, personally, Mike, even though the ship is immaculate, the piece of tech that I would be talking about right now, if I were in charge, but I'm only, you know, the second second in command. <laughs> I am I am the Agent May of the uh, Two Guys Talking podcast, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. review. So if I actually had the opportunity to talk about what my favorite piece of tech is mm-hmm. during this yep. episode, mm-hmm. is and, and I know we're, v- we're very early on in the episode, so mm-hmm. it is kind of a spoiler going forward, but I want to talk about the set of neural-linked floating death balls... <laughs> That the female Cree priestess, whatever you want to call her, enforcer, uses to just straight up murder people. And that's it. And that's and that's all they're good for. They're, well, they're, they're good they're for worrying. They're not for shiat- killing people. They're not for shiatsu massage. They're for death, death killing. This is and it's very reminiscent to. And I'm going to I'm going to take a sidestep over to uh, two guys talking horror, of which, course which I am the host of, and. I want to remind everybody who who loves horror. You ever see that movie Phantasm? That's exactly what I thought of the first time I saw these. Exactly, tiny little phantasm spheres that uh, I, I'm waiting for, like like tiny little pokers or tiny little electrodes to pop out and start killing people too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but yeah, that's uh, that was a wild way to just yeah. sh- showing off not only alien but futuristic alien tech. Yeah. Yeah. To easily just dispatch anybody that you want gone. We have way more coming about this concept. But what I also want to show you is that, again, with the eight episodes of a series that shall not be mentioned, <laughs> we had a character in there that said nothing. And good on him. I, I can't take anything away from him because he really wasn't given anything as, as an actor. But what I got to tell you is that for the what? 
eight and a half minutes, we saw this this person that doesn't speak at all either. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Total gravitas, total imposing presence. Again, when they go and they cast and they get people that, you know, you look at her with her, with her makeup on it. Is that like the alien? Because mm. that's the flavor I want. The same person that they got that ripped off his skin inside the first the first episode. Right. It's exactly the same thing. That man is, he's human, but he doesn't quite look human. Right, right. And I don't know if that was an augment or if they did something special effectsy to him or whatever, but the faster that they go and acquire people like that and then explain that they're not human, totally sold. Yeah. They did that inside of uh, Deep Space Nine for years where they had many, many people that were augmentedly looking human people. And I'm not talking about Bajor bumps. I'm talking about, look, it's human asterisk. It's it's something that steps outside the norm, whether it's the clothing or just the way somebody's standing with their neck cricked or something where it's not, look, it's the giant bulbing forehead of yet another alien. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where they were able to take naturally not normal looking people and transform them into an alien by just transforming them quickly into an alien. Mm. That's what they've done with this silent person with the makeup and the floaty baldness. I mean, it is eerie. It's creepy. You look at her and you go, she's not human. Right. Clearly. And it works. It absolutely works. There's a couple other people inside of this too. A couple of the heavies inside of, I think, the first episode. Oh, no, no, no. It's in this one where we get some the Kree soldiers that yeah. are doing the torture and yeah those are some other ones where they went and okay we need a couple of incredible meathead looking people okay and they either bald wig them up or they shave their heads or the, their heads are already shaved they put some kind of pseudo fin on them they put some chiseled blue different styles makeups on them and boom look what you got you got alien soldiers that nobody wants to screw with yes all day long. All day long they can do that and they will imp- continue to impress me. The value of an alien, not alien, but a character we don't know when it comes to exposition. Now, I've danced a little alliteration dance there that I didn't mean to. And mm-hmm. what I'm referring to is I'm not talking about, hey, look, an alien and the alien's going to bestow exposition. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a character that, by the way, is not alien, but completely unfamiliar to us, mm. i.e. they are alien, right? coming to us and delivering exposition. Mm-hmm. That happens wonderfully inside of this episode, as well as the previous episode where the guy got his face eaten off. So the first character inside the previous episode, he only got his face eaten off while he was delivering exposition. Too bad, how sad, but man, how powerful. Bye-bye, Virgil. Right. Inside of this one, however, we get the girl delivering a ton of exposition and needed space inside of this episode to give not only storytelling, but some great expectation in regard to exposition inside this episode. Right. This is the kind of rich storytelling that Nick and I have been extolling for the last almost completely four seasons of this series, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and why everyone should be watching it, and I loved it. And it's not necessarily... It doesn't patronize. Info, it's not info dump exposition right, either. Right, It's It's more along the lines of... It's touchstones. I, I, I'm still not wrapping my brain around the fact that you people don't know how things work around here. Yeah. yeah. So I'm giving you bits and pieces just simply because... Wow, are you really this stupid? Until, of course, they start realizing, holy crap, they are from the past. Yeah. But then again, we're still not given that full-on, okay, give me information dump. 
the great thing about it is is that we're we're given one piece of information that explains why we can't find out what happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Cree erased all of the historical records. Mm -hmm. So we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know exactly what history really was. Because there's a line of dialogue. Oh, there were earthquakes and, and typhoons and Sharknados. Well, you th these people think Sharknados were real. Mm -hmm. No, it was just entertainment. It was movies. But they don't know that because the Cree control the information. This is, this is classic uh, dystopian future stuff. To keep one race down or one class of people down, you completely obliterate any idea of what their history is so that they cannot use history to fight their enemy. Because look at history. It's, it's all about people being oppressed and eventually rising up and overthrowing their oppressors. Well, you don't want that here in, you know, space station, not cracked earth. <laughs> Cree, Cree base. Shell one. Shell, shell, shell shock one. Shell shock one. There you go. I, I thought it was extraordinary. And again, when you can take a character that we didn't know 44 minutes ago and give her the mantle of what is bestowing information that is not only must know, but is going to enhance know. Mm -hmm. I love that. I absolutely love it. Now that's how you create a community. Again, not to bash even more on Marvel and Humans, which, by the way, you can listen to all, I don't know, what is it, 27 hours of our review. <laughs> because in, in, in addition to being better than the show Marvels and Humans, I think, if I'm not mistaken, all but one of our podcasts is actually longer than the episodes themselves. A little bit longer. I, I think A little if, bit. If, if, you, if you took all of our reviews of the show that shall not be named... <laughs> and ran them all together, it would probably only be about 11 hours. 30 hours? No. It's, 11, 10, 10, 11 hours of pure gold entertainment, entertainment, sir. That's right. That's right. I want you all to go check it out over at agentsofshield.tv. You'll be glad you did. Inside that program, there is only one, one scene inside that entire series where they're able to express that there is more than six people inside of this what was it 1440 no, person no, no. community blah whatever yeah and it was terrible i mean it, it we mentioned that it it was a highlight of the episode but i mean my god when we've got to try and pluck that out of the out of the toilet bowl to to raise that up on one of the positives of the negative seven episodes it, 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 this is exactly how a community a grouping of people that you cannot possibly quantify except to maybe watch what happens over the course of 30 seconds, close your eyes, and then see if you could do the multiplication. This is how it's done. Mm. And that nobody could go and help Scott Buck and company inside of what we just got done experiencing over the last eight weeks is stupid. Well, they didn't want to spend the money on the extras, the, the, the actually paying and feeding the extras to fill a space to make it look like it held 1,400 people. If they wanted to soak up the sun in sunny, sunny Hawaii. I know that there could have been something better inside of that series, and I'm telling you, the seeds to do it all are sitting right here inside of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. In these first two episodes, I, I remember sitting sitting in my recliner, Mr. Chair, and I remember thinking to myself, in just two episodes, there is more. there was more set dressing to these episodes, these just these two episodes 
of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than in all eight episodes of that show that we will not call. We'll, we'll call it Futuristic Ren Fair on the Moon. <laughs> there was more set dressing. There was more. It, it, it looked, I, I believed more in this dystopian future in low orbit over the remains of a dead earth than I did believing in this this civilization, this colony of people living on our moon and visiting beautiful sunny Hawaii and, and having having a family spat. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that, and I also <laughs> mirror those comments almost exactly. Uh, if I had to give you my little shelf speech of the differences, in 86 minutes, these two episodes are able to deliver... 1200 times more entertainment and value mm. than anything we saw inside of Marvels and Humans. And it's not supposed to work like that. It's not, no. It, it's not. I, I think of the time, money, and effort that was spent on Inhumans and how any and or all of that budget could have spent been, blah, been spent right back into this show mm. or into a future movie or, or something else. And it wasn't because whatever we just got done watching and reviewing across eight episodes somehow for whatever reason had to be made. And I'm saddened by it mostly because I know it was not cheap. Right. It was not cheap. Whatever the, we don't, we have no budget is it's, it wasn't cheap. What it was was money that could have augmented another project or a series of projects. And I really wish it would have went there instead of into that. Is that the identity guy? Isn't that the guy that was actually the guy that John Cusack had mul multiple personalities of in the movie Identity? I'm pretty sure that was. Ah, yes. You're, you're talking about uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince. Yes. Great character actor. He's shown up all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yes. He is in Identity. Uh, great movie. Go check it out. Uh, it's definitely on the docket for a two guys talking horror perspective. Yeah, review. I'm in for that one for sure. And it's it's a it's great film. Got a great cast. Uh, it actually kind of went a little under the radar because I think it was totally. just a little bit. Uh, it was something it was mainstream horror audiences weren't expecting, and I think I, it's, I it's definitely developed a more of a more of a following as it as it went to DVD. Yeah, I, I and, think it's on. It's absolutely because it was not played off as a horror film. Mm. It, well, it was I played think, off as a kind of a psychological thriller kind of mm -hmm. a thing. I thought it was incredibly effective, and I think that's why because yes. it was it was not a horror movie. It was not. I don't remember it ever being painted as such, and that's why I bothered to look at it. So the it funny good. thing about it is, is that is that even though he was in Identity, the film that I go straight to anytime I see this actor show up is the Keanu Reeves led film Constantine. Oh, he was the the drunk or the alcoholic ex-priest prophet that uh, Constantine would, would use to get information about, you know, the other side on, on yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Well, there's a great scene in the movie Constantine where the, the demons... No, there's not. Yes, there is. The demons make this guy believe that he's so thirsty that he has to drink. He needs a drink. So he goes into a, a liquor store and he drinks himself to death in a matter of, of minutes. It, a very powerful scene in a not-so-great film, but still, the actor pulled it off. Yeah. So knowing that he is going to be a heavy, go, moving forward in this season of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., at least for this story arc, I'm very interested to see how his character... Well, I don't think his character is going to develop into a hero, but he's definitely going to be a very interesting heavy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I I was glad to see him because he again he's another person, another character actor that has that. Wait a second, is that guy alien? Even hmm. though that guy is human, he he has all the makings of if you were to just dress him and put the right makeup on him, he's he's an alien, dude. Hmm. Love it. Virgil's Museum. This was extraordinary as well. In fact, what I was looking for was kind of a dummied up Phil Coulson's office. Mm-hmm. And it didn't disappoint at all. I, I think um, I didn't get a chance to go back and look through this in HD and a larger screen. My wife and I watched it in our uh, bedroom. And um, I'd like to go back and watch it on a larger HD screen where we can actually see some more of the detail that's presented here. Right. Because somewhere inside of the background of look at that, I can't believe we just saw that. Is there there cool. might be. I, I don't remember seeing because I did watch it in HD on a lo- very large screen. Mm. I remember thinking, wow, not one mention of any of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Not something with the name Stark on it. Not something with the name Banner on it. I figured there'd be something left over mm-hmm. from the past. Mm-hmm. And then I started to think. Then, of course, you know, you start, you stop to think and you go, well, well no. They would have destroyed The Kree would have de- wanted yeah. to destroy that because, mm-hmm. again, you don't want to give anybody hope. And if there's, you know, tales of this man who used to create weapons but then decided to make a weapon and turn himself into a living knight to fight for the right of the people, well, then, no, you don't want, you don't want your right. slaves to know about that. Right. Unless you're going to give them ideas. Yeah, unless you're going to go whore things on Shell Shock 1 list. Mm, right. The the Craigslist that for the for the station slash not the station that you wouldn't have it anyway. A- anyway, I, I thought it was incredibly good. It was worth a bullet point mm-hmm. to mention too. I hope that that's going to yield some fruit for us later inside the series of episodes inside of whatever this small section slash pod is going to be. Especially with his 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 secret book with charts and numbers and things that nobody knows what it means yet creepy with a k mcsilver balls i thought that you would enjoy this wonderfully yes well that i'm now going to refer to her permanently as creepy mcsilver balls (laughs) moving forward with a k with a k creepy with a k mcsilver balls because it spells cree Get it? Yes. Get it? There, la- wow, like look at that. I worked all night on that yeah. one just for you, Nick. You like that? I, I, I get it. Cree. Mick, silver balls, part of the Irish province of, of Cree. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, we we've talked about we've talked a little. Well, sure, we didn't she's actually got some Irish in her. I don't. Well, she might have if she comes by my neck of the woods. She can that whistle was, her balls anywhere hor- she wants to. Oh, okay, me. that was horrible. That's that's just bad. We did we can't do Irish accents. <laughs> I know we we spoke about this character during during the talking tech segment, mm-hmm. but I, she deserves another shout out because this this is the character I'm watching out for. I I could care yes. less about the guy running the place mm-hmm. because you know what. As of right now, generic bad guy. He's he's full of himself, full of self-importance. And I get it, because that's how most Kree have presented themselves in the past since we've seen them. We've got Guardians of the Galaxy, previous episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they've dealt with the Kree. The Kree are arrogant assholes. They're arrogant assholes in the comic books. Uh, I remember reading the classic story, the Kree Scroll War. Mm-hmm. That's that's a huge story from Marvel comic books, dealing with the Avengers being caught in the middle of this epic battle between two giant, p- 
powerhouses of alien races, the Kree and the Skrull. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to Creepy McSilverballs. The bottom line is that there is, once again, more gravitas that not only the balls are defying inside of this episode, but inside of that one character for every single instant she's on screen saying absolutely nothing mm-hmm. than the entire series with which we just took 175 hours <laughs> to sit and watch and review over the course of the last eight weeks. Yeah, it, it it astonishes me that we can call both of these products a Marvel product because of the total dominance mm. of this one character inside of this one scene, inside of this one episode. She has. It's just amazing. <laughs> Set design and what could have been. Believe it or not, there are a lot of hallmarks that are kind of nods, I'm guessing, tips to the hat of what happens inside of Inhumans inside this series. There are a series of scenes that if I were to screen capture them and show you them somewhere inside of Marvel's Inhumans, it's very possible that they could have been there. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that they were bad? No. Does it mean they were super stark? Not Tony or Howard Stark, but (laughs) stark like, man, there's almost nothing there. Absolutely. You know why? Because Shellshock Earth, that's why. And <laughs> I, I want that. I so want there to be, instead of taking things to the extreme where there must be ornate detail because insert awesome sauce story, mm-hmm. I want people to understand that sometimes things are just plain. And they're right. plain to convey reason. And that every scene that you see in here, the one, the one that I can think of is there's a series of shots where there's lights on the floor being shot up a white wall. The white wall is somehow textured. And that's it. There is nothing else. It's either people walking by it or it's stark wall nothing. And I love it when we see it inside of this because it does harken over to that other series where you just got done seeing people living in a base on the moon. Okay? Mm-hmm. Somewhere inside of the building design principles, you're going to have something that's akin to that. That's fine. Right. Now, more importantly, the whole what could have been moment here. You look at anything inside the bazaar slash market slash central hub of whatever hell is going on here inside of shell shock one whatever hell we're going to call it here (laughs) and then graph that onto anything that was seen across marvel and humans i I don't have the words missed opportunities that is exactly those are the words missed opportunities meeting someone that might have made a better mad maximus you called him kind of blah kind of just another asshole cree I call him should have been the guy that was Maximus. Because I'm telling you, the, if, if there was one thing that was a problem inside of Marvels and Humans, and there were way more than one, so don't yeah, even yeah. think that this is the, the fulcrum argument, but if there was one thing that needed to change that would have given a completely different complexion, haha, to what's going on inside of Marvels and Humans, it would have been to have a, someone else completely different playing the role of who is eventually supposed to be Mad Max. Right. Maximus the Mad. And I hate that we have to keep on going back to talking about Inhumans. Oh, I don't. In fact, you know what? Everybody, welcome to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. This time, oh, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, But had Maximus turned into a character akin to this Kree leader, then it would have made sense. Yes. There would have been a Episode three, this should have been him. Uh, episode five, I, I would have. I would have even given him episode five. I wouldn't given him to episode. Well, there are eight episodes. 
I would have given him to episode five to start hey, going uh, uh, kooky wookie. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's eat six point five episodes of nothing, and then try and cram everything else that we need to know in the last episode and a half. Oh wait, they just did that. If you want to hear my views about the portrayal of Maximus the Mad, <laughs> go back and listen to our reviews yes. of Marvel's Inhumans, we, because I, I go into detail on how that character should have been portrayed moving through the show compared to his his comic book counterpart. So I won't bring it up here. <laughs> All I will say is that this bad guy, and I, I can't even remember his name. It starts with a K. It's It's weird. I, I'm in a position of power. There's a way things are supposed to be. It is very dominant, submissive. This is very Fifty Shades of Grey as we move forward to what he does with Gemma. Uh, I, I want to see something new. So show me something either diabolical, show me something sadistic, or show me something uh, show me something I haven't seen. And we shall call him Chrysanthemum. Chrysanthemum, with his sidekick. Creepy with a K, McSilverballs. Choosing to load out with metrics. Daddy Love nods to the Matrix. Daddy Love, some reason to somehow embed probe tracking devices inside of our heroes. And here we go. I, I loved every single moment of this because it increases the peril factor by a factor of 10 instantaneously. Yeah. Uh, the very quick insertion pieces that we got here, I thought that that was extraordinary. I love that they actually think about not doing it. Mm -hmm. And that tiny little friction pushback part makes the peril even more imbibable, in my opinion. Right, right. Uh, I think that that's extraordinary. And that they finally then do it, I love that even more. I'm also looking forward to the further assimilation that they have to go through to survive yeah, in this yeah, future. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to be sad to see Daisy have to give up her leather jacket because she looks so <laughs> awesome in it. But eventually our characters are going to have to give up their modern era garb and start blending in a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. As soon as What's-Her-Face mentions matching buttons, I'm like, okay, well, geez. Right. Uh, I guess it's time to go no start. No cleaners in the future, yeah, evidently. It's time to go start knocking over hobos like in Terminator to try and find <laughs> new clothing, right? I need your he keys, your pants. bike, and your pants. He took my pants. Add in a touch of the purge now i'm going to take control of this one mike you may as well. this is you've actually seen the films i i have seen the films a little... <laughs> in fact i i have a little bit of disclosure here i couldn't remember the name of the films i just remember that oh hey look it's something akin What's to the that movie, movie that was called where you could kill people for a certain amount of time and nobody <laughs> nobody nobody got arrested huh is that is that East St. Louis? <laughs> it it might have been just my affinity to work with a whole bunch of law enforcement guys and that I didn't want to remember and or know anything about it. <sighs> let, let the discussion ensue, please. Okay, so I'm assuming what this <laughs> this what this point is uh, is referring to is there is a section in this episode where the, 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 what do they call it? They call it they don't call it a cleansing. It doesn't sound bad. They call it a renewal. That's what it is. A renewal. A renewal. And you think, oh, so everybody's going to get to take a shower and maybe fresh clothing and things like that. But you find out an actual renewal. What renewal means is, oh, so to make room on this particular level, eh, we're just going to kill some people. Yeah. yeah. And we, the Cree, are not going to kill them. It's going to be the people themselves. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the metrics that they have on their wrists 
if you are chosen to be a part of this renewal process, the blade turns green. It, it glow. It glows. It glows red. Right. And it's kill or be killed. And it's it's kill or be killed until the last person with a glowy red metric has been taken out. So uh, very very similar to the concept of the film The Purge. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that two guys talking horror will uh, will delve into in mm-hmm. their fright filled franchises. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, I just got finished watching all three of the Purge films. Oh, great. Not, three of them. not too long. Super. Yes, there's three. And a fourth one is a coming. Oh, good. Along with a TV show, Mike. Awesome. You gotta love the TV show tie-ins. I love, I love TV show tie-ins. Especially when it's comic book based. <laughs> but but yes, this was uh, this was a very, again, dystopian future. That This is yeah. something that I expected. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. something that you would expect in a dystopian future setting like this. Mm-hmm done in a very interesting way and it puts our characters our our favorite characters our agents of shield it puts them in peril as well because peril. they have no yeah. idea what's going on now they not not only do they not know what's going on but they've also been taking advantage of mr identity guy yes and it's wonderfully done it, mm-hmm. it, it's it really does just scratch that edge of totally inappropriate for the time slot and the uh, the gunplay inside of here is mammoth. Mm, yes. Walking around with a shotgun, firing that off is no is no joke at all. Mm. And that it's pulled off so extraordinarily here is really really super well done. <laughs> Killing that, which isn't perfect. This is another interesting uh, carry through inside of the back end of this episode, mm-hmm. where. It goes back to destroying that which you don't want slash doesn't need to be here for impact of future generation. But it also is a perfect crutch to killing history. Right. And so it works in wonderfully on a variety of levels from high to low. I thought it was great. I'm, and and I, I might be wrong. Again, we're only two episodes in, and we don't know a lot about the Cree race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we know very little. Even though they've popped up a handful of times, we know very little about the Cree race and their their culture and customs. But I am going to akin future Cree here on Shell Shock Station One. Mm-hmm. We're getting into a little bit of the Third Reich here mm-hmm. because this guy, this this Cree mm-hmm. Santhamum, mm-hmm. well, Cree Santhamum has this this thing about perfection, at least perfection for the. I'm just going to come out and say it: the concubines. The geishas that he's got, the the space geishas mm-hmm. that he has working for him, they have to be perfect. They have to look perfect. There has to be something special about them. On top of the fact that you know they have a perfect body, perfect face, mm-hmm. there has to be something special. It's one of the reasons why Gemma gets gets taken, assimilated into their ranks mm-hmm. by this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to I'm going to compare them to the Nazis now because mm-hmm. you've got a subservient class mm-hmm. locked up that could be murdered at any at any moment by anyone's whim mm-hmm. with blue skin. Yep. And then you've got this guy in charge that uh likes to prune trees and prance around and and hear the sound of his own voice. Mm-hmm. And I I don't want it to just be that. I because we've seen that before. I mean, Hydra was based off of Nazi uh ideology and things like that. I mean, it took it further cuz you know, it was Hail Hydra, but I want to see something a little bit more sinister, and I, I know the the term something more sinister than Nazis is something that you really don't hear every day, mm-hmm. but this is an alien race. I do want to see something more sinister. 
and and as we move forward with this episode, we actually start seeing stuff like that. Yeah, definitely seed little seed drops of what coming from what's this coming. from this character, this Cree Santhemum, mm-hmm. along with other characters mm-hmm. that I know we are going to delve more into as this series continues. Yeah, a revisit to the framework. This was fun. Mm. This is where I do ready my rip my rip cord though, because mm-hmm. just as you don't like it when they use time travel to go, okay, here's our team. Look, they're all dead. Oh wait, they're not dead because time travel. I do not want anything that gives us anything of that taste because of the framework. Right. I mean, like zero. I have zero tolerance. We've had it before. We've been there. We've done that. Not only have we had it, I thought it was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. And what I also love is that when they give us characters that we were never due, i.e. Max Daughter, for example. Right, yeah. um, When we are uh, a Scottish guy, or uh, a Scottish guy's dad. um, Uh, Oh, uh, Fitz's dad. Fitz's dad. Fitz's dad. I can't remember. Oh, man, I can't remember his name. But, but, but yeah, you got Fitz's dad. The guy from The Departed. Yes. That guy. And... I love that. I loved all of that that we were given that we were never due, but essentially gifted because of how the framework works. Thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Love it. What I do not want is any cast member accidentally or instructionally killed while they're in the framework or around the functionality of the framework. Right. And then we get to episode 12 or 13 or however the numbers are going to work out this year. And suddenly we find out that in the last eight minutes of the last episode, oh hey, look, he's fine. He or she is fine because oh the framework. That I right. right now I can tell you I will absolutely hate that because it's been done in every single other episode of every single television where something alternate universe is introduced. I'm not interested in that. I want to see some real growth here. You've you've set the you set the stage perfectly. In regard to giving us not only a completely alien place that you're standing on, mm-hmm. but complete aliens that we're absolutely enamored from, from stem to stern. Right. So please build on that. Build those characters in that storyline. Don't go back to the well to give us something that we've seen a thousand times. And you know what? I, 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 I'm not too worried about that happening. I look at the introduction of the framework here, or I know it's not called the framework by the character's living on the station but it is essentially daisy calls it it's the framework Mm -hmm. i look at it as as what it what it's presented as it's an escapism this is for short periods of time this is this is what people do for recreation Mm -hmm. both humans and the kree because we found out the kree enjoy it as well i i would like to see moving forward that this is used for communication covert communication Mm -hmm. For our characters to actually come up with a plan without mm-hmm. having to be out in the open yeah. talking about it. Oh, it's essentially the virtual conference room. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also like that maybe, and again, I, I kind of dropped this into, uh, I dropped this into the well, and it may make a ripple, and it may not, who knows. But I would actually like to see that the technology that Deke used to reverse engineer and create the framework, there's some bit of code hidden within it from Fitz because we've seen the postcard that postcard found on the dead human uh, I, I do I do want to say it was in uh, 
Virgil's belongings, mm-hmm. it was from Fitz. Mm-hmm. So we know Fitz knows that they're in the future. Because that, that postcard says, working on it. That means, he oh, he, he's trying to work on a way to save them or at least give them a heads up. So I, I think it would be... It would not be a surprise to me to find out later on that maybe, just maybe, that there's a hidden bit of code that'll get activated if, let's say, Gemma enters this framework thing or Coulson enters this framework thing and a little Max Headroom-esque type Fitz head pops up and starts spouting exposition, but because it's old code and it's pieced together and cobbled together that it's not fully formed and they're only getting bits and pieces of what Fitz knows from the past. Mm. Yeah. No, I, 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 can I work, could be I can completely wrong, but... I, I can work with any of that, mostly because it's at least solely original. Mm. It, it's wrapped around the mechanism of somebody that needs to be the person that walks in, then in igniting the the can't-quite-make-it-out make style code. And now someone that is a legacy leftover of they found these books on coding inside of insert name of library leftover that the Cree didn't get to yet or were going to get to and I stole when I was there one day or something. Right. Again, you start getting me that deep into the storytelling, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine with that. What I don't want to see is I do not want to be able to grab out of any lexicon originally mentioned thing where, look, it's holodeck scenario number 17. I don't have any interest in any of that. And so, uh, obviously, they've already gotten far enough through this season, if not all the way through the season. I don't know how the filming's actually gotten. But what I would like to, you know, again, originality against everything else. Um, Harkens back to other things are okay. I just, then the time, there's so many stories that can be told that are solely original, especially when you make a cauldron of characters like what you've got inside of this television program. Mm-hmm. So use them. Right. Use them and, and create a forge that makes a series of cauldrons that you can just sit there and stir for days. Do it. <laughs> Making Simmons deaf. Again, another very interesting choice here inside of the episode. I thought it was wonderfully portrayed. The only thing that made it more creepy and well portrayed is when that dude talks and he she can still hear him creepy this goes back to my 50 shades of gray dominant submission uh analogy from earlier uh this is also this is also a great torture tool Mm. because now think about it if it were any lesser being because Gemma is a very smart strong intelligent woman but if it was any lesser being take away your hearing and now the only time you ever get to hear anything is the voice of this man who is your captor. Yeah. And eventually, you long to hear the voice of your captor because then you can actually hear again. And it becomes this this need, this psychological and physical need mm-hmm. to please your master so that he will speak to you and you will be able to hear that right there creeps the hell out of me. Yeah. I and and we've been in this position before where we've worried for Gemma's welfare. She has been put through the ringer mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. and yet here again we're we're right back at it again. Thanks thanks a lot writers. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what can we do to Gemma this season? Oh, man. Uh, I, m- moving forward, I really hope Gemma stays strong because this could this has the this ha- this this torture 
has the ability to break anybody. Oh, yeah. Even Gemma Simmons. Yeah. Uh, to focus on Gemma for a second, can we go back through the history of Gemma just off the top of your head? Oh. What what would have left a scar? Because if there were scars, isn't that dude not interested in her? Are there any scars? Uh, I'm asking you, Mr. I remember every single detail of every single I haven't ever. seen her naked. No, so but, I don't know. Well, here's the sample. If she ever experienced, there's definitely a, nothing on her on his her face, because it seemed that that was very much the the most important thing. He could get over the fact that there was going to be a little scar on mm-hmm. you know Golden Boy's stomach mm-hmm. because it would you know you're Cover not seeing it all the time. There's always a tunic there, yeah. but there was that scar mm-hmm. above his eyebrow. Okay, and huh. even though it healed, he would always know that there was a scar there, and that's why he got double balled to the chest and dead. By creepy McSilverballs. <laughs> so I think as long as there's nothing wrong with Gemma's face, I, love, I think she's okay. I love the language that is somehow generated by the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast solely originally on its own. Well, you know what? Until they actually start giving us decent character names for these bad guys, Creepy I think our them. our names are, are Man, more fun to, to use. Awesome. Just awesome. A quake revelation. Not five minutes before I started watching these two episodes, I was talking to super duper fellow podcaster Kip Lewis, yeah, who has done a variety of different Marvel comic book movies because he, you know, he and you are just so beyond me when I think about comic books. Mm. I, I like comic books and I own a lot of them, right? But I am not the and I can be the encyclopedia reference for whichever character you'd like to discuss. I'm not that guy. Kip and I were talking about this just moments before we both could watch the episode on Hulu. I think he actually watched it on network. And so he mentioned it before the network portrayal and he goes, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I just want to mention that the unleashed power of Daisy is something to behold. And I'm like, okay, ass, that really sounds like you've just spoiled something for me. And the answer is that he did not spoil anything. Right. But what is provided for, and it was almost fun, you know, if I had to have a trailer, I'll take that as a trailer every week where it's just, we've never considered the devastating full-out power of Quake until now. And I've just written the next trailer for the beginning of these two episodes that would be all you need to see or experience at all, where you've just got a taste, nothing is ruined, but you are absolutely engaged. It's wonderful, and the showcase here is mammoth of what we're talking about here, especially in regard to Daisy slash Quake slash whatever the hell we're going to call her today. And, so many aliases. Yeah, and I love it. I love the I love the mystique that is instantly inserted here, like with a with a masterful syringe. Uh, I love the what this reminds me of is that expanding foam that you can buy for your home. Have you ever seen this? Right. Stuff? Yeah. Okay, well, you squirt it in, and, oh, look, there's there's inserted foam. And then the foam begins to expand as it hits air. That's exactly what's going on with this little insertion of Quake at the end of this, uh, the end of the episode, and then, you know, really getting some concept of what happened on Earth. And I love it. I absolutely love it, and it instantly engages me into the next episode, which we cannot yet watch. Well, no, it, hasn't, it, it. has not aired yet. I love it. I love it. I did not. Really? Okay. Yes. Now, and I, I will explain why. All right. We actually had a conversation, and I can't remember which one, but it was during an episode of the Inhumans review. Yep. And it was 
connected to a conversation of how I was explaining that the Inhumans that are on the moon are pure blood Inhumans. Yep. Bred from the Kree, kept in isolation, and the blah, 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 bloodlines, da, 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 da. All the Inhumans that we're seeing on Earth pop up since the Terrigen crystals were contaminated the ocean and got into the fish oil and everything, those are watered down Inhumans. They're not pure blood. Mm -hmm. Daisy is one of those watered down, non-pure blood Inhumans. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember talking about how how I made the, the comparison. Just imagine what she can do now with her quake powers. You know, we've seen what she can do. She's she's done a lot of great stuff with her quake powers. Now, imagine if she was a pure blood inhuman. Mm -hmm. Her powers would be off the charts. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do believe I even said she could crack the earth in half if she were a full blood inhuman. Mm -hmm. Black Bolt has the ability to split a planet in half if he yells. In twain. Now, of course, they did not show that very well at all in the TV series. Goodbye, brother. <laughs> and and just the front of the, the, the wall falls down. No, you're going to talk that loud. Uh, I'm sorry, Adelan's gone. You're, you're Thanks gonna, a lot. You're going to go down the street and get Maury, who's got the destructor, who's going to come over and destroy the front end of your right. building. Right. Yeah. So the fact that we are now alluding here that it is Daisy who with her her powers unleashed for whether it was in the service of good or evil her powers are responsible for breaking the earth <sighs> i'm sorry i don't i don't like that explanation because mm -hmm. that that narrows it down way too much to just this show it should be universe encompassing if daisy's powers were the thing that cracked the earth don't you think one of the other heroes or maybe all of the other heroes would have done something to prevent that? Don't you think one of the bad guys, like like let's say if this happens before Thanos shows up to get some Infinity Stones for his shiny, shiny gauntlet, don't you think he would try to prevent that? Because, well, if the Earth blows up, then it's going to be harder for me to find these damn stones. I, I, me personally, I wanted the destruction of the Earth to be left a mystery for a while until you find out oh it's because the heroes failed Thanos won and he's off you know being a cosmic being now and all of the civilizations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe they're all just basically living on borrowed time the Kree swooped in and cobbled together this 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 shell shock station one with the with the humans thinking that they were dominating or pretending to be dominating but really it's for mutual survival uh, again i'm going to keep watching the show and it's still going to be great but making now it be oh daisy you're the one who destroyed the earth so now when you travel back in time what do we do do we kill daisy to prevent the destruction of the earth daisy can't be around to destroy it so are we going to kill her in the future are we going to kill her in the past are we going to make her wear gauntlets again? I don't. I, I wanted well, something a little bit grander than just focused on one character because now she's this character now has the weight of the world that no longer exists in this time period on her shoulders. So now we're going to get the broody. Oh, I should just kill myself because I'm I'm responsible for destroying the world. And you know what? Actually, because of time travel, if Daisy, because she hasn't done it yet. 
She hasn't destroyed the world yet, but she's in the future. One would think if Daisy killed herself in the future, it means she never goes back to the past to try to save the future, and she doesn't crack the earth in half. Problem solved. Well, and I, I kind of look at it this way. That's one guess point on mm -hmm. what history is based on history that's been systematically erased slash expunged right. by an alien race. And, I mean, that's kind of where I'm going. Is I want I, Deke I, to I be go, wrong. Right. I, I, I want him to be wrong. Right. The, the direction I would go is, what if it's not her? And I hope it's not her. <clears throat> I hope it's right. something more it, interesting than her powers yeah. are what broke I'm, the world. I'm really glad that you mentioned Deke, because we have not mentioned Deke at all inside of this. Uh, incredibly Star-Lord-like, down to the color and makings of his jacket. And man, wouldn't it have been fun somehow to crisscross those two particular universes? Because I can, I can literally hear, with the exception of maybe some inserted appropriately timed music, everything that, that this guy says Peter's saying. Yeah. And it just being a piece of Star-Lord history, obviously it's it, it, too bad how sad the story's been written. We couldn't possibly well, have yeah. Star-Lord inside of this specific universe. But I do love that it's, there, is a, there is a call, there's almost a complete hallmark to what's going on inside of Star-Lord's universe slash existence and what you see here. Mm -hmm. And man, wouldn't that have been the, the perfect preimpetus for... They're now being the um, Infinity War slash everybody gets together and these pieces, parts are already put together. Yeah. That would have been very interesting. I, I That's actually where we ask you guys, what do you think is going on here? Is this Daisy destroying the planet or not? That's the only question we need. Who broke the world? Yeah. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's over at agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Running super long during a super satisfying series of initial episodes for the launch of Season 5 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. We'll be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The number one question for those who have a podcast is simple. Why are you still editing your podcast? The answer? Editorcore.com. Look, I've been podcasting for over 12 years now, and the bottom line is, if I could travel back in time via whatever time machine I had at my disposal, I would jump back to the beginning of my podcast career and tell myself to not edit my own podcasts. 
That Day Is Here with EditorCore.com. Save the time you waste editing your podcast every single episode. Get your podcast edited by experienced seasoned podcast editors over at EditorCore.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. What comes to mind when you hear the word horror? Is it a book you read in the dead of night that creeped you out? Is it the memories of the monsters you were sure lived under your bed? Is it a film filled with blood and gore, all thanks to a crazed killer? Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we ask the really terrifying question, What scares you? Only on Two Guys Talking Horror. TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at VoiceFarmers.com see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box from the voice box voicefarmers.com that's voicefarmers.com everyone welcome back to the agents of shield podcast a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of marvel's agents of shield on abc and hulu streaming this time it's the review of season five episodes one and two orientation every time we come back from break on the agents of shield podcast it's time to crack open our shield dossiers The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is where Nick and I dig into the episode and showcase either an actor's portrayal, a piece of the storytelling that's presented, or something else that trips our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what have you got in your dossier? If I put everything that I loved (laughs) about these two episodes, the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the beginning of season five, season five, five seasons, Mike crazy five seasons if i put everything i loved about this these this this beginning of <laughs> season five into my dossier there's not a file folder big enough to hold it there's no oxygen left and where would we put where would we put creepy mcsilver balls if yeah, that was the I've, case i've talked we, we we've talked about a lot of great stuff i've talked about some specific some specific stuff i i held off though because i specifically wanted to shove this man in my dossier. <laughs> my dossier this episode is filled with Mac. Interesting. Interesting. Our everyman character. Think about it. Even though he has seen some amazing things, he's still the most grounded of all characters. He is the one who is is making the the normal pop culture references to the evil things that are happening. I mean, evil robots. Haven't you ever seen an evil robot movie? Yes. Destroy the robot. You don't trust the robots. You destroy the robots. The robots are going to take over. And guess what, Mac? You were right. Haven't you ever seen an alien movie? You don't split up. 
You split up, the alien starts taking you out one by one. Of course, Mac, we're not going to split up. Had they split up, we never would have gotten that great group shot of them walking down the hall, not necessarily cowering behind Quake. <laughs> and, and looking then, their coolest. And looking way. their coolest. Yeah. We, yeah. we never would have gotten that line from Coulson. Too true. But let's not forget the torture scene where Mac and Yo-Yo are tied up by the Kree soldiers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the freezer, and they're just whooping the hell out of Mac, and he's he's taking it because he knows he has to take it. Yep. He, he mm -hmm. has no choice because the moment they stop torturing him, they're going to start torturing Yo-Yo, yep. and he can't have that. I agree with that. And just the grit, the, the pure grit of Mac during that scene. And then moving forward, okay, we well we've killed two Kree soldiers. We got to get rid of the bodies. So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's take these two corpses, put them in the elevator, and take them upstairs to let the uh, roaches eat off of them. Well, you didn't tell me there was a skylight in the elevator. What's a skylight? <laughs> Again, it, it, Mac is our everyman character. Look at it, you know, May. You've got your seasoned warrior, Coulson. Your your jaded, tortured. But still, very optimistic leader. Uh, Gemma is your your tortured science officer who who still is tries to have that perspective of, you know, everything's everything is still ooh wow ooh everything is a wonder even though we're in dire straits. Quake, this is a street smart girl from L.A. who also has the ability to kick your ass without even using her superpowers. Yo yo again superpowers but street smart. And now you got Mac. Great mechanic. He'll kick your ass in a fight, I'm sure. But what what else? He is that he is that everyman character. He is the character that I specifically gravitated towards during these two episodes because that's how I would be reacting in this situation. Oh, space? Yeah, because we haven't done that yet. Thank you, Mac. Thank you for being my gateway into your world. And that is my shield dossier. That's a that's a good dossier entry. I like that a lot. Even, even though I didn't I, I didn't particularly care for it at, at the beginning of the episode. I, I have to be honest. My dossier inside this episode is completely filled with a duh. This refers to things like alien dominance, roaches, giant alien roaches eating your face off. Nothing good happens in space. When you hit ships with asteroids, bad things happen. All of these things that are incredibly commonsensical things that if you and I happen to find ourselves inside of, what are we calling it again? Shell Shock Station 1. Shell Shock Station 1. If you and I find ourselves inside of Shell Shock Station 1 uh, awesomeness, these are the things that we're going to be worried about. I know that the whole e eating my face aliens thing, that's way on the list of my priorities. <laughs> and that they bothered to show it even just once inside of this. And then the doom that's carried throughout the episode. Yes. If, if aliens, uh, I'm under the impression that there are a series of specific levels of the, of the station slash wherever the hell they are that are no go zones because you're going to get your face eaten. Mm. Okay. I got it. And now it's laid down and we're going to avoid those listed off stations. But you know what? This is only just a different level, dude. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they might get eaten on this on this level too. I love that they bothered to do that. The other one is, is that the alien dominance thing is incredibly evocative for me inside this episode. 
when I see alien blue dude that's seven feet tall and clearly thicker than me, guess what I'm not going to be able to do? There's never a time I'm going to be able to kick his ass. <laughs> and so maybe it's time to run or find a different plan or figure out how to put him into a giant machine press and he dies. Something. Mm. But there's going to be something else other than me somehow being able to unleash this uncanny can of whoop ass where I somehow find myself on top of that fight. Because I, I it, it's just not supposed to work that way. Yeah. Regardless of who it is, even if it's Daisy with superpowered daisiness, you catch Daisy offhand and you get her with a good shot. Nothing good is going to happen. Mm. She might be the only one of all of them, including uh, including Phil, who the only don't or the only hand he's got is the donut hand. <laughs> so he, you know, he, he he doesn't have anything to protect himself. Right. So I I totally get that. Um, but I love that they bother to take and establish that inside the first two episodes so prominently because it really does make a sense and it emboldens the level of peril for all the characters inside the episode. It absolutely works. Mm. That's where we ask you guys what's inside your dossier for these two episodes, episode one and two, orientation for season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Go over to our website, that's agentsofshield.tv. Click on the contact button on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you think. Ah, the rating. These two great episodes, Nick uh, Nick and I are going to consider them as one giant two-hour episode because, frankly, it was I think a two-hour premiere, it, so yeah. It was outstanding. Uh, the scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. A super creepy McSilver Balls extravaganza aboard... Shell Shock Station One. Thank you very much, Nick. And one over on the other side? Something Marvel and human-based. Everything starts at a seven. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I'm actually very grateful that they decided to air both of these episodes on the same night. Yep. Give, give us a nice one-two shot of mm-hmm. a premiere. Yep, uh, they fit perfectly together. Uh, I, I and I, but I could see, I could also see if if they only aired one and then we had to wait a week. I, I could see that the cliffhanger of time travel at the end of that first episode, that first part of that episode. I could see that carrying you through the week and then, you know, just salivating, waiting for episode two to show up. But I'm glad we got the one-two punch. On the other hand, it makes coming up with a rating difficult because I know you and I could could definitely massage the back of this gorgeous show for hours <laughs> upon end. But after our experience with Marvels and Humans... I really had to I really had to take a step back and examine my my reviewerness. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we've we've been very fortunate that the, for the last two and a half seasons of Agents of Shield, we've had a stellar show that usually ended up walking away with a a, a 10 for a rating. And then we get in humans and you 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 weren't you weren't cutting the show any slack whatsoever from no. the very beginning. No. So you know, you've got some. You were giving some of the lowest ratings I've ever heard come out of your mouth in front of me, and I tried to give the show the benefit of the doubt, and I realized that I was just, I was just kidding myself. Sadly, too little, too late. Totally. was I kidding myself? Yes, and and I finally, I finally took the blue pill, <laughs> and and joined you in the real world <laughs> of my God, this show really sucks, and it's not going to get any better. 
So in between the end of Inhumans and the start of the show, I, I really wanted to think about how am I really reviewing a show? And I got to tell you, Mike, even though that I had one problem out of these two episodes, all of the pluses still don't take me back down very far. Again, your system is broken. It's broken where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is concerned. Because for, for every plus that I have for these two episodes, it takes me up to at least a 15 or a 16. So 30. So so taking away that one gripe of Daisy's responsible for destroying the world, taking away that one gripe that I had out of the entire two episodes just takes us back down to a 14. But your scale doesn't go that high. So I have to give it a 10. But I, I'm, I'm almost kind of hoping that I'm not being too generous to this show because I just got finished de wading through the sewage that was eight episodes of Marvels and Humans. Maybe I'm, I'm looking at this with rose-colored glasses. Maybe it's the euphoric sense I'm in now being back on a show that I love. I, I, I want to be more critical, but I can't. I, I can't be more critical because there's nothing I can complain about except for that one thing, Mike. So it's a 10. It's a 10. Thank God we're back. Agents of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. Lord Almighty, it's a 10. Well, let me be clear on my thoughts on this episode. 10. Okay, so that, that, that being out of the way, something that you sauntered into inside of the beginning of your portion of the review is this, that these two episodes were presented as one episode one hour right after another was an absolute surprise to me mm. because I was expecting one hour. No, oh, okay. When I finished the first hour, I noted that inside of the potential next things inside of my Hulu experience was, oh, lo and behold, season five, episode two of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., blah, 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 whatever it was. And I, I sent a note over to fellow podcaster Kip Lewis again and I said, hey, is the launch two hours? And I never heard back from him, so <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I watched the second hour, and obviously we're, we're at where we're at, which is absolutely a 10. But what I have to tell you totally is that Marvel, every opening should be two hours. Mm. Every closing should be two hours. Yeah. Whatever has to happen to make this mechanic work, do it. Yeah, definitely. definitely I, don't, do I don't care what it is. The, the fact is that 86 minutes of storytelling is such an invaluable mechanism for both the entryway mm -hmm. and the exit port for everything that you're doing storytelling-wise. And it doesn't mean that 43 minutes cheapens or makes it worthless. It does make it lesser, though, without question. Right, right. Uh, there have been episodes of 43 minutes where I was incredibly enthused what we saw. Mm -hmm. The last two seasons, almost wholly all, have been excellent, just standalones 43 minutes. Oh, hell yeah. But something like this, especially a launch into something that is literally alien-based, that is going to be a building block, I hope, for what's coming with all of the cinematic universe stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you make this one episode on the front end and just say, well, yeah, that's how the calendar's going to work. And, and I don't want you to. I want you to go, look, we have a 13-episode docket Four of those episodes have to be grouped in twos, and then we'll figure out the rest. We don't care about the rest so much. Right. But the front end and the back end, there's no sway. I really do think that that's how that needs to be. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to make for better storytelling. I think it makes for a much more effective platform in regard to conveyance 
for a television show, but more importantly, it allows there to be some sense of anticipation that I remember vividly knowing that at the end of Star Trek, each season, I could expect a two-parter. Now, the difference back then was you get the first end of a two-parter at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to wait your whole kind of months later right, right. to get the first episode that was the second half. We'll always gravitate back to Best of Both Worlds from Star Trek The Next Generation, which is where Picard gets taken over as a Borg and unleashes hell. Because it is an excellent sample of what we're talking about. Well, yeah, you're left, Everything bad you're, you're left happens. with him coming, coming at the Enterprise. There's Commander Riker's in charge. He's got no choice. Mr. Worf, fire. Fade to fucking black. Right. And and then nothing for months. For months. For months. There was nothing inside of magazines. There was no internet to, to be spoken of back then. And and the whole joy of the discussion points that that would generate between friends and I when we were out to go eat somewhere. Mm-hmm. Man, it was fun. Mm. It was fun. It, it I I will never I will never downplay the internet because of what it's been able to give to me, or especially over the last twelve years. Right. But I will downplay it in that it absolutely it makes everybody someone that needs to be satiated right now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I try to not live my life like that. I, I really do. I go out of my way to make sure that I can have some semblance of patience when it comes to especially entertainment. And I know how hard it is, but I do remember the joy of going, you got to be kidding me. There's no way that's the end of the episode. And then knowing that, yes, it is the end of the episode, and now you get to wait two and a half months or whatever the whatever the timeline was. Right. And I miss that. I miss that, and it was built into being able to have that two-hour segment, even if they were split, uh, available. And I, I hope that Marvel does that, because it would just it would make a great storytelling mechanism. So there's that. All the things that you and I talked about inside the many bullet points, by the way, that were, I thought, were less numbered of bullet points inside of both of these episodes. And I don't know if I was wrong or not. I just... Whenever I take notes on an episode, regardless of whether it's a double or not, right, and I get to the end of it and I go, oh, I didn't write enough. That's when I know the episodes got me. Mm-hmm. That's that's my little. I'm nine. I suddenly realize I'm in the Matrix moment. Right, right. Because it's just happening, and I'm being taken along for the ride, and I don't instantly have to probe my brain to go and get details to put into the notes to talk about. Mm. So I love that that aspect of it. I love that we're introduced to characters that before today we knew nothing about, but we're absolutely in on. Deke, the woman whose name I don't remember. Uh, Tess. Tess. The the other future girl. Incredibly gorgeous, by the way. All of the people that we've met, including, I'm going to use the collective community as also another character, Mm -hmm. because we've also been introduced to them as well. There's There's a populace aboard shocks proof what is it shell shock station one thank you and we will be able to get to know more of them as this pod slash section of episodes gets told more before we go back to a regular time however long that's going to take we're going to get that all paid off on the neat part is that it's presented and it's put in place and you get to eat it as fast as you want i think the only other thing i can comment on is that if you thought this episode was outstanding in just the two-hour presentation that you and i are watching what I always look forward to is hearing from people that are watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. streaming 
where they're sitting down and watching five episodes at a time. Mm. That's a little bit of future time jump for us inside of this podcast and that we are doing the review after the first two hours where someone else will be listening to this perhaps after more than that. Mm -hmm. But I love that we're going to hear from them as well to get their perspective on what was a great perspective inside this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of these episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what did you think. Until our next episode, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Beware the flying ball. thankful you were able to review this covert communication reviewing the most recent episode of marvel's agents of shield a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on abc be sure to tune in to our ongoing top secret communication with agents all over the globe via our facebook presence immediately facebook.com forward slash shield podcast to be the first to be made aware of agents of shield news the arrival of our newest reviews and more the agents of shield podcast a super show for fans of superheroes uncover the mysteries critical information and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv that's agentsofshield.tv end this top secret two guys talking communication I would like a sound check, please. I would like to feed your fingertips to the Wolverines. <laughs> nice. I am the Agent May of the uh, Two Guys Talking 
podcast, Agents of Shield Review. Your boobs are bigger. I, hey, whoa. That's a fat joke, isn't it? It is a fat joke, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Insert the tone. Insert the tone! Like in uh, uh, Mike Myers' movie. Uh, Bring in the clones! <laughs> Insert the tone! <laughs>